Well, before we begin our Torah study this morning, let's pray together. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. I found the Torah portion this week to be interesting and challenging. It covers some very positive territory and some negative territory as well. There are some challenging moments for the people of Israel as they're in the wilderness. And on one hand, the people are learning to be organized, to, to camp in an organized way and to develop structures for discipline and organization as a, as a military um, group. On the other hand, they're also learning to follow the Lord. And the Lord is leading him, them by his presence, the, the cloud by day, the fire by night, and he gives an instruction when, when he moves, they move. When he stops, they stop. It's also a time that they're learning that they need a priesthood because the people sin, everyone sins. And the purpose of the priesthood, I believe, is, is to help people make things right with God. There's a, a human tendency, when we sin against God, we move away from him, and then we hide from him. Adam did it first, but we all do it. And we have to learn to come back to God, to present our, our contrition to God, to come with real hearts of repentance and to make things right with him. And the priesthood had that function to help all of Israel go through this process of confronting and dealing with turning from sin. Even the high priest was clearly identified as a sinner. So it was not that he was the righteous one and everybody else was flawed. It's all of Israel, like everyone in the world, including the people you're sitting next to and the people who are sitting next to them, including you and me. All of us are flawed. All of us have to learn that we do need a priesthood. And this is a foundation through this, we discover that the ultimate priesthood is inaugurated through the new covenant, through Messiah Yeshua. And the perfect sacrifice is given once for all, but we need to continue to avail ourselves. So these are all challenges, but there's another kind of challenge that Israel faces uh, that include a lot of dark moments. There's a lot of complaining going on. Fetching is elevated to an art form. There's a lot of hostility as well, and a lot of accusations. I won't go into all the details, but you should read the Torah portion in order to see the scope of it. Even Moses doesn't know if he can take the pressure anymore, and he's feeling like the burden of it all is on him. That's one of the signs that a leader is in a dangerous position when they're feeling the weight and they're feeling the weight that actually belongs to God. When they feel alone, it can be quite difficult. I remember there was a period in my life, it was about 30 some years ago, maybe 
maybe a little longer than that. But I felt like I was surrounded by broken people with broken situations. And I was so frustrated. <laughs> and I, I was complaining to God. My prayer was something like this. Why are all these broken people in my life? And the Lord's response was uh, quite surprising because I didn't have an answer for that. I thought it was, you know, like a, a mistake. The, the Lord said, I thought you wanted to be a restorer of streets with dwellings, a repair of the breach. <laughs> that was a surprise. His, his answer was not what I was expecting. You see, Isaiah 58, which includes those references, speaks about the chosen fast and how God wants to use his people not just to go through the motions of fasting and prayer, but to spend themselves on behalf of restoration. And the Lord showed me that there were broken people all around me because I'd prayed that I could be useful for broken people. Yeah, it was a, a sobering moment and quite awkward for me because I wasn't expecting the answer. I was hoping for a different answer. You know, like, I think I was hoping for this. Well, let me see what I can do to get rid of these. <laughs> Have you ever been in that condition? I, and I wonder, was Moses like that when he was saying, they're not my people, they're your people. This was not my idea, it was your idea. And they're all complaining. And I think the Lord says, and you? <laughs> I'm the most humble and meek. Now, it, that was true of Moses, but he had his moment. And Moses himself was wondering if he could take the pressure and if he could bear the burden. The problems that are described in this passage, I think have a common thread, they're problems of the heart. When people are disappointed and when people are hopeless, when people are just ragged, when they're hungry and thirsty, it's clear that they don't have enough character. And as we're reading this passage, we can see that the children of Israel don't have the character to do what is right and to do what is good, and even to do what's in their own best interests. They don't have discipline. They don't have commitment. They don't have the strength of character to overcome their own appetites. They don't have the strength of character to overcome their negative thoughts, their emotions. They're tossed around by the whims of their hearts, and their hearts are dark. And I think each of us has had an experience like this, some uh, longer and more frequent than others, where it seems like our heart is just directing us into dark places. And it's hard to get out of there. Their motivation is based on raw emotion and their emotions are dark. Now I think it's a powerful picture of what happens to us when we fall in this way. And, and maybe the hardest thing to do, but I think it could be the most important, is to switch off the dark thoughts 
and the dark feelings, even the ones that seem rooted in the evidence of circumstance and present reality. We can argue with God, and we can press against God and say, look at this, look how bad it is. And we can make a case that convinces us because we're already convinced. But I think the hearts and the minds of the people need to be directed to God and open to God, to his heart and to his thoughts and to his perspective. Because when hearts and minds are closed, it's difficult to even reason with someone. Have you ever tried to convince someone and you've used logic, you've used evidence, you've presented real facts and you're trying to convince them that it's gonna get better? But their hearts are closed and their minds are closed, and no matter what you say, it doesn't change anything. It's almost impossible for a person in that condition to have clear perspective, and to rally themselves to be strong and positive, and to hold on to the discipline, to hold on to the values and the commitments which are dear to them and which are necessary for life, but which they have lost hold of. So what do we do? We, we can pray. We can pray for open hearts. We can pray for open minds. And I have recently, in, in just the last few weeks, heard from a number of people um, whose hearts were set on doing something which was problematic, was even self-destructive or dangerous or hurtful or ungodly. And to all of our surprise, their hearts opened up and their minds opened up. And they started thinking differently, made decisions to go in a totally different way that no one could have convinced them to go in. It's a beautiful thing when hearts are open. It's a beautiful thing when, when minds are open, because when hearts are open and minds are open, then we can, um, we can think and make decisions differently. But you and I can't have that effect on other people if the effect is not first on us. I like to say this, you can't give away what you don't have. And so one of the challenges is this, to pray for ourselves that our hearts would be open and that our minds would be open to the Lord. And if we're stuck ourselves in disappointment, if we're stuck in anger, if we're stuck in negative feelings of rejection, just uh, those are examples. There are many more things that could get us stuck. Well, we won't be in the right position to pray for anybody else. Now, I, I remember an experience that I had when Sandy and I were living in Kiev, Ukraine. And, and one day, a group of young people from the Messianic congregation in Chernoff Sea came to Kiev for a conference. And they wanted to come and spend time with us. And so they came over to our place and they wanted me to pray for them. And they expected me to. But I said, I was honest with them at that moment. And I said, I, I don't have anything for you. <laughs> I think that was shocking. 
It may not have been the best thing to do, but I did it. And I said, listen, my life, I've got so many people in my life already, I don't have any room in my heart to be concerned for other people, for more people. I just don't have any more capacity for more people. I do care about the people I already care about, I just don't have room for more. I said, I need you to pray for me. They were a little shocked. And their spiritual leader was there. And uh, it was a moment, and I didn't know what was gonna happen. You know, it could have gone a lot of different ways. But this is what they did, they took it seriously. And so they gathered around me and they prayed for me that my heart would grow and that the capacity of my heart would increase and that there would be room in my heart for more people. Now that was not exactly what I was looking for, <laughs> but it was exactly what I needed. And as a result of that, God answered their prayers and opened my heart and because of that, I was open for them and was able over the course of time to spend myself on behalf of them and to show real love and care. It was really an interesting experience to be at the limit. Some of you can identify with this. You've got more than enough people in your life already. And there are more that wish they were in your life. And it feels like I, I don't even know. You can describe it yourself. But the pressure feels like a burden. And the heart reveals its limitations at such times as this. But you and I are called to be a blessing to other people. And Yeshua said, if you want to be a true servant, a true leader, if you want to be great, if you want to be as great as you can be, be the servant of everyone. His disciples didn't really like hearing that, but it was the truth. And Yeshua was teaching something that, that the heart to serve is the foundation of everything. But it can't just be based on emotion. It can't just be based on I feel like it because there are times when we don't feel like it and we have to get our feelers either under control or adjusted. Because there are times when people need something that God wants to give them through us. And so for us to be available and able is really important. Now it's also important not to usurp God's place in anyone's life. If you, if you get overwhelmed by the burden of need, then you will try to meet that need yourself without any guidance, and then you'll feel overwhelmed and the weight of it could kill you. But Messiah has borne this weight. He's taken this burden. And so we need to look for him as the redeemer to to empower us and to work directly for the good of people, showing love to them, but also praying for them.
and trusting God uh, to bless them. This is one of the ways that we can serve. We're called to bless others. And one of the ways that we can bless other people is by praying for them to have open hearts and open minds. When people are stuck, there's not always a lot you can do. And if you've ever had the experience of trying to minister to someone who is what, uh, what I call a black hole, you know, from astronomy, but what um, some have called EGRs. Do you know what an EGR is? Yes, extra grace required. <laughs> These require specialists who have extra grace. But it's difficult to minister. <laughs> it's difficult to minister at times to people who have special difficulties and who have uh, needs that not everyone can help with or know how to, to help. But even so, when we're trying to serve people, it needs to be service that's born of the Spirit and led by the Spirit. In Romans chapter 8, verse 14, the Scripture says that everyone who's being led by the Spirit of God, these are really the sons and daughters of God. The sons and daughters of God are led by the Spirit of God. In the same way that the children of Israel had to learn, you move when God moves, you stop when God stops. We have to learn to be led by the Spirit of God. Now, if you just close your heart to everything, you won't be led. And if you say, I'm only going to do something if I feel like it, you won't be led. I have the experience to, to prove it. I've learned the hard way that there are things that God wants me to do that I don't like. Anybody else have that experience? There are things I've prayed about and I got answers and I did not like those answers. But they were God's answers. Now, of course, you can shop for other opinions. <laughs> have you? I have. <laughs> and you can also do what I know at least half of you have the experience of. Your spirit already knows. But you don't want to pray to God with words because you don't want him to tell you with words what you already have an inkling about. Because if you do pray and then he tells you, then you've, you're stuck. Yes, I, I know about half of you have this experience. And you're looking at me like, am I going to write you out? No, I'm not. <laughs> but it's a common experience, isn't it? We have this sense, oh, I need to know what to do. Uh-oh, I already know what to do. And I don't feel like doing that. I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. But that's not the right way. An open heart and an open mind can communicate with God and then hear from God. What's the greatest commandment? Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Ve'ahavta et Adonai Elohecha B'chol Levavcha U'v'chol Nafshecha U'v'chol Me'odecha. So to hear 
and then to love, these are connected, you can't separate those. Listening to God without love won't get you anywhere. Loving God without listening to him is a fake. And so we start by praying that we can hear and put into practice because love demands that. We're called to be a blessing. God said to Abraham, be thou a blessing. It was a command, an imperative. Be a blessing to other people. So we can ask God to bless other people with open hearts and open minds even when they are resistant, even when they are closed, even when they are rejecting our counsel and advice, you can pray, Lord, bless them with an open heart. And in fact, I believe we're in a season, the season from Shavuot into the summertime, when it's a special opportunity to pray for people, to have open hearts and open minds. To pray not just for others, but to pray for ourselves so that we can pray even more effectively for other people. God is in the business of answering this particular prayer right now. Don't miss the opportunity. I love the passage from Zechariah chapter four, verse six. Renee, during worship, referred to this. This is the word of the Lord. Not by force, not by power but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Which is interesting because Adonai Tsevaot is a name of God that reflects his power. The Lord who is the commander over hosts. The Lord who is in charge of his organized spiritual army. Says, not by power, not by might not by your power and not by your might, but by my spirit. There's a wonderful passage in Matthew chapter 14 that I want us to look at carefully now that gives an example of what can happen when people have open hearts and open minds and how they can be useful in blessing other people, useful in ministry, how they can bear great fruit and great effect on other people. And the context is very important. We'll start in Matthew chapter 14, verse 14. It says, so when Yeshua came ashore, he saw a huge crowd. But the context prior to that is this, that he has received word that Yochanan the Immerser, known in English as John the Baptist, but he wasn't a Baptist. <laughs> he wasn't. Yochanan had been murdered by Herod, beheaded. And Yochanan's disciples come and tell this to Yeshua, and Yeshua is in agony, and he withdraws to deal with it. That's the context. Now look at what happens. So after his withdrawal, he comes ashore, and he saw a huge crowd. 
And think about all the possible reactions. Boy, this is not a good time. But Yeshua gives a perfect example. He saw a huge crowd. How big was the crowd? Huge. Let's all say that. Huge. Huge. And he was filled with compassion for them. His heart was open. The capacity of his heart was large. Even though he had heard this distressing news and it was distressing to him, to all those around him, distressing to everyone, in fact. His heart was not lost. It wasn't shut. It wasn't closed down. It was open and it was filled up with compassion for the people. And he healed those of them who were sick. And here we see that Yeshua's heart is filled with compassion and his heart and his actions are working together. And the crowd was, what? Huge. It would have been easy to be overwhelmed by such a crowd. And anyone could make the case at that moment. This is not a good time. This is too many people. Yeshua could have said, why so many needy people here? Why all the brokenness? The crowd was huge. He could have said, you know, I can't do this now. I need more time away from everyone. But Yeshua was filled with compassion. And I think this shows us that when our hearts are filled with godly emotion and our minds are filled with godly thoughts, that we can take action that is led by the Spirit of God. And that brings great blessings to others. Now, the next part of the passage shows us how Yeshua, with his disciples, ministered to this huge crowd. And I want you to take notice of something. His disciples have open hearts and minds to what Yeshua wants to do, to his decisions, his perspective. And there's no evidence that that they're resisting him. There's no evidence that they're trying to present um, their assessment of reality and why um, their perspective should prevail. Though they do argue, not argue, they do offer information and perspective. Yeshua receives it and then disagrees with their recommendation, which doesn't trouble them. That's how you know their hearts are open. When, when people are closed-hearted and closed-minded, if you disagree with them, they get troubled. Verse 15, as evening approached the Talmudim, the disciples came to Yeshua and they said, Yeshua, this is a remote place. And it's getting late. And there are a lot of people here. So it's time to wrap up. Ministry's been great. Send the crowds away so that they can go and buy food for themselves in the village. That's a reasonable thing to propose. And when someone's just deeply absorbed in ministry, it's nice to have others around you who are thinking about practical things and saying, listen, 
The people are going to be hungry. There's no food out here. They have an assessment. It's, it's a reasonable assessment. Verse 16, the first word gives you a clue. But, but Yeshua replied. They don't need to go away. Give them something to eat yourselves. How big is this crowd? Huge. You feed them. You feed them. Yeshua is still filled with compassion. And he sees this as an opportunity for his disciples to learn to minister to people without the limits that they feel normally bound by. And they answer, they're not disagreeing, they say, yeah, we can. But all we have is five loaves of bread and two fish. You see, they're not hard-hearted, they're not closed. They're saying, we can feed them with what we have, it's just not much. Verse 18, Yeshua says, well, bring what you've got to me. And after instructing the crowds to sit down, and you could imagine if you were closed-hearted and closed-minded and you understood everyone should really be standing up and going, and Yeshua says, hey, everybody, just sit down. Picnic time. He instructs the crowd to sit down on the grass. He takes the five loaves and the two fish. He looks up toward heaven and he makes a bracha. And remember, a bracha is blessing God. It's not blessing things. It's thanking God and saying, God, you are blessed because you give us bread. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. Yeshua continues to exercise leadership and he's acting with faith and compassion. And he takes the limited amount of food and he looks toward heaven, he makes this bracha and he blesses the Lord, he thanks the Lord. And then with that limited food that he has, and think about it, he's got, let's say 12 disciples and five loaves. So each disciple gets somewhat less than half a loaf, right? But he's only got two fish. I don't know how you divide the fish, but my guess is like one guy gets a head, another one gets, you know, the tails. Someone, you know, is hoping they're in the middle. I, I don't know how he's doing it. But he breaks the loaves and he gives them to the Talmudim. And he gives the fish. And they give to the crowd. The Talmudim keep their hearts and their minds open and they, they start sharing the food with the people. And it's so important to recognize they're still open. They're still open to Yeshua and, and they did what he asked them to do. And look at verse 20, they all ate as much as they wanted and they took up 12 baskets full of the pieces left over. That food multiplied. Sandy and I had an experience that was in 1981 in Jerusalem. I asked her this morning to tell me how she remembered it because I talked about it last night. And you know how you can remember something one way and someone remembers it a completely different way, but we really remembered it uh, pretty much the same way. There were six of us who were together in Jerusalem and we were invited 
uh, on Shabbat, after some services, we were invited to go to an elderly couple's house for, for lunch on Shabbat. And they already had a small group there, and then there were six of us, and then they invited some more people. So there were, we figure, at least 12, maybe 15, maybe even more people. But when we got there, um, and it was time to serve the food, there was like this chicken dish, and there was rice, there may have been some vegetables, I don't know. But it looked like there was enough for the four people. And I remember thinking, we need to wait and hold back because this food is not going to last. But one by one, people went up and they took from each of the pots and pans that the food was in, and they put some on their plate. And I remember, I came from a large family, and sometimes we, you know, like, pounced to get our share. But other times we understood, just wait. Let the guests go first. But we were the guests, but there was a sense, we better wait. But everyone went to those pots and pans in the kitchen and took food and put it on their plates. And I remember it was our turn and we went and there was plenty. And it was so strange. It wasn't that I wanted to understand how it was happening. I just wanted to make sure I understood what was happening, but I was looking around and people had a lot of food on their plates. And when you looked at all the food that was on people's plates, it was much more than what had been in the pots and pans. And then after everyone had taken, there was still food in the pots and pans. And that happened to us in 1981. You do the math, but it was, let's say, 15 people. We'll go back to verse 21. Those eating numbered about 5,000 men, plus women and children. So we don't know how many women and children, let's just say an equal number. So let's just say 10,000. Okay, so Yeshua says, sit down. Thank you, Lord, for five loaves, two fish, guys, just share with the people. And when all is said and done, there's 12 baskets of food left over after 10,000 people have eaten. It's not because this is a magic trick. If you try to do it yourself, it won't work. You can't make this happen. But there are times when God can work through people who have open hearts and minds that is amazingly beyond what you could ask or imagine, what you could think possible. But what does it require? Open hearts, open minds, and giving thanks for what you do have already. I believe that God wants to do incredible things through us. It will require that our hearts be open and that our minds be open and that we take action on what God shows us to do. The disciples learned something at that moment about ministry. They learned something about provision. They learned something about keeping their hearts and minds open to Yeshua. They learned something about what can be done when people with open hearts and minds are acting in obedience to the Lord's instruction. And they learned that they can minister in the power of the Spirit of God.
We can learn that too, ourselves. We can experience that too. And if you've got someone in your life who's closed in their heart and in their mind, I wanna, I wanna encourage you, exercise your power and authority to bless them. And pray God's blessings of an open heart and an open mind, and keep praying until you see that God has done this work in their lives. And when you see that their hearts and their minds are opening, give thanks to the Lord. Even if it's a little bit, give thanks to the Lord. Don't wait until it's over. You may miss it. But give thanks to the Lord. Say, Lord, thank you so much for what you're doing. And then continue to offer thanks to God. You will see your fruit multiply. And not only that, you'll see their fruit multiply too. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. You're the God of multiplication. You can expand our hearts. You can strengthen our ministry of service to others. You can use us to be a greater blessing. And we pray that our hearts would not only open, but would grow large. We pray that our minds would not only be open to you, but would really become disciplined to think the way you think and to see the way you see things. And let us have the joy of being a blessing and bearing great fruit that brings praise and honor to you. We ask this in the name of Yeshua. Amen. We're going to close with Aaron's blessing. Please rise. If you're by yourself, just move a little bit. Enough so you're not by yourself. And you're standing with someone. And don't forget, you can join us next door after you get your kids. Uh, at the Shalom Center, we'll, we'll have coffee and fellowship. Yivarechecha Adonai v'yishmarecha. Yeher Adonai p'navelecha v'yichunecha. Yisa Adonai p'navelecha. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep watch over you and protect you. The Lord cause the light of his face to shine brightly upon you. The Lord be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace. In the name of the Prince of Peace, Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. Shabbat Shalom.